This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. Welcome to I Will Watch Anything Once. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to I Will Watch Anything Once. You have your um, co-host, Mark David Christensen and... Tawny Shin. Uh, we have a great episode for you. But before we get to that, I want to remind you that you can help out all the great um, podcasts on the Boardwalk Audio Network by going on to the Boardwalk Audio Network website. There's a big button that says support our artists. All you got to do is click on that button. It will send you right over to Amazon.com. You just do your normal shopping, purchase whatever you want to, and it will cost you nothing, but we'll get a small kickback. So please help out all the great shows that will continue to be on the network since this is our um, third to last episode. But help out all the great shows by supporting our artists here at the Boardwalk Audio Network. Connie, it's Friday when this episode is dropping on the 15th of December. What's just come out? Uh, according to your hat, Star Wars! <laughs> Star Wars! The Last Jedi. A <laughs> uh, movie that I am very excited for. Um, I'm not, I'm assuming that while people are listening to this, they will, I have not, I did not see it the night before. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't jump, because I, I had to give up a lot of my, uh, my urgency to be like, I got to immediately have my ticket when they release them. I can't get on board with that stuff. It's mm-hmm. too stressful. And I'm like, yeah. if, I lo- if I love something, I don't want to include that stress with it. Yeah. So I waited for a while. And then when I felt comfortable and was like that sort of had died down, mm-hmm. I was like, and I like people had stopped like posting that they bought their tickets and shit. Mm-hmm. I went and bought my ticket, but they couldn't find a good seat on the 14th. Oh. So I went with, I'm seeing it. In the middle of the afternoon, by myself on 2D IMAX at the Chinese uh, man. Why does this keep happening to you? <laughs> what? That I'm seeing movies by myself? Yeah, but you'll see them at the oddest times, and you're like, "Fuck it, I'll go by myself." Mark, if you just put it in a little elbow grease, I feel like you can go with a group of friends. I'm not sad about seeing this movie by myself. I just wanted to see it in the way I want to see it, and I'm fine seeing it for the first time by my own, so I can just let it hit me. And then if I like it enough, I'll go back again with more friends. Or I just didn't ask people in time. Like I reached out to Joe Saunders, a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. They had already got tickets, and they didn't have any seats near him. Oh, that happened too. Gotcha. And my girlfriend has not seen Force Awakens. Has no excitement for the Last Jedi. I'm, there's no way I'm going to get her to sit down and watch the first one in order to go with me to The Last Jedi. Mm. So I'm just like, cool, I'll just go see it and then we'll go see a movie you're interested in. I saw The Force Awakens. I mean, I enjoyed it. And I'll probably see this one, but I'm not the biggest Star Wars head. I, just, I figured you wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm not against it, but it's just, um, I don't know. For whatever reason, I'm just like... Star Wars. I do. I, I can understand that from a, like a outside of not being a huge fan, mm-hmm. how it can be so abrasive. Because there are fans. I think I, I'll, let you, I'll let you tell me. You tell me this, Connie. I think I'm a pretty mild fan oh, of no, Star no, Wars. No, no, no. You're like, uh, you're a mild user. That's what I'll call it. Yeah. Like, I love the movies, but I'm not, I, I, I don't collect anything anymore. I don't, I have one I've piece been, of attire. I've been to your really. apartment. You are a mild user. Yeah. Okay, great. My brother-in-law, uh, they chose their wedding date 
on the 5th of May. Not the 5th of May. What's the what's the what's the Star Wars date? Oh, uh, May the 4th? Yeah, that's they chose their wedding date on May that. May the 4th be with you or all yeah, that? They're, um, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Their reception music, I believe, was Darth Vader music. I wouldn't do that. The, imp- the Imperial... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was at a wedding that I worked on a, at the, my, one of my day jobs, mm-hmm. the photo booth thing, mm-hmm. and... The exit music was the like the like the um, uh, oh my god whatever the bad guys are in the original Star Wars. There's my mild user language uh, as they walked out oh. to the, after the wedding was over, and I think they might have used the original theme earlier gotcha, in the wedding. I gotcha. can't remember. I couldn't. I could never bring myself to do that in a wedding. I mean, I like Star Wars. No thanks. Well, uh, to be fair, it is very easy for them to remember that date. Yeah, for sure. But like, yeah, I mean, do they, instead of I say I do, did they go may the fourth be with you? <laughs> well, it was a Korean and Indian wedding, so it would have gone over so many heads. So no. <laughs> oh, dude, um, I got my brother-in-law for Christmas a Chewbacca mask. Oh, do you love it? Oh, Is no, it the no, one no, that that woman made popular? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's that exact same model, and um, he hasn't seen it yet. But I'm I'm mainly excited just to see his expression. Great. Because it's so stupid. Yeah. But I think it's a Star Wars fan. You're like, oh, I'll find a way to use this. Right. And that's a big Star Wars fan if you want that kind of junk. I am no longer Mm -hmm. want that kind of junk. Mm -hmm. My brother is also my older brother who I'll end up seeing at least Star Wars for the second time when I go home for the holidays. Mm -hmm. Um, Regardless of how I feel, I'll (laughs) see it with him again. Yeah. Uh, He... uh, He had like one Christmas got a Tauntaun, this thing from Empire Strikes Back. Whoa. Sleeping bag, so it's like you zip yourself I've into seen it. Those. That's he clever. has that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's great. He, he has a bunch of Star Wars stuff. Like his work at desk has Star Wars figures and stuff like that. I'm curious. I always met uh, like Star Wars fans. What is it about it that you like so much? I like the simple storytelling, and I think I just glommed on as a kid. It's one of the few things that, like, I think as a kid I liked it, and then in my older life I think it has quality to it still okay. that holds up. It's not a thing that I look at and go like, "Yeah, I see why I like that as a kid. I'll throw it away now." Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I can still return to this for its simple storytelling. Mm-hmm. It does have. I do think it's iconic in the sense of right after two thousand one, who sort of pushed that kind of sci-fi visual sci-fi forward mm-hmm. it really leapt it forward mm-hmm. with its special effects in the first star wars yeah and it, it made us all go cinematically go oh more is capable mm-hmm. if not with star wars maybe some other movie would have done it but in the world we live in star wars is the one why we have the ability to do a lot of the special effects we we're capable of doing now because well, it yeah. opened up the ground to let allow people go Oh, let's not say no to mm-hmm. the possibility. Yeah. I think that's why I love it so much. Okay. I think I could see that. I mean, um, from a production perspective, I can understand why it has lasting value considering it's in space. Yeah. And so you could just keep adding and adding and adding and you're not clear what year it was because it's the future yet and it's, it's a galaxy far. Yeah. Far from yeah. So I have no, you have no idea of what time it is. So you could you could make it as progressive as you want. You could add whatever species. So mm-hmm. the the writing possibilities are kind of endless. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just I think I when I 
started to learn about Star Wars, that's when Jar Jar Binks came out. And uh, Jar Jar Binks is a terrible character. Yeah, and then that helped that poor Anakin kid. And I, so I think I got a really shitty introduction to Star Wars. Totally understand that. So I was just like, oh, I don't, I don't get it. And then afterwards, when new Star Wars movies came out, I'm like, oh, no, thank you. I'm good. And, but yeah, then- and I think for us that already liked the new one, the older ones, the mm-hmm. originals, we were like, we love this. The prequels came out. We got super excited. Mm-hmm. We saw the first one. And I think the true fans were like, oh, I have to love this. Mm-hmm. And then we gave it like a year after seeing it and realized we don't like this. We just yeah. have to, we have to admit that we don't like this. I think like Paul this. Shear talks about on one of his podcasts how he, when he first saw the new Star Wars, he didn't believe himself when he thought he didn't like it. Yeah. And I don't think I did either. I don't think I had a VHS copy of it and everything. And I was like, I think it took me to have that in my house and mm. watch it again and, and realize I was never. And then I didn't like a, the other following three. Mm-hmm. And I think it put us fans in a sense of like, uh, guess we're not going to like the, the future of Star Wars is not what we want. It's I like, might as well just go dormant with it. Like yeah. my fandom sort of went to sleep. Yeah. And then when the force awakens, it got me excited because I was like, I think this is the, the, the update that we want yeah. and it's still in the same. And I do. And personally, and other people have arguments that have think pieces and you've heard it a hundred times and we have to get to this episode, but like the movie to me hit on like, Oh, remember why you liked the originals? Mm-hmm. We're going to give you that. Plus we're going to take this further for new audiences. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what works so well for force awakens for me. Mm. But okay. I don't need everybody to love it. It's yeah. I love it. I don't I'm, care. I, I mean, I'm comfortable enough to be like, oh, I'm not a huge Star Wars person. But I think I'm also open to it because I did see Force Awakens and I was I enjoyed it. Yeah. So great. Yeah. It'd be funny if they made a Star Wars spinoff, but that was the director of Love Witch, right? Like a uh, side movie I would watch with the director by of Love every Witch. Every sort of. Oh my god! I know how to get to your heart. Dude, I saw the cre- I'm following Anna, the creator of the Love uh-huh. Witch on Twitter. She posted recently the crew working on the movie hated the movie so much that most of them have not seen it. The movie that she was directing, The Love Witch. Oh, The Love Witch. Wow, that's bananas. That is bananas that they didn't like it and the crew. Yeah, that and I'm just like, it. what? What was happening during yeah, that like, production? Did you think? What did you think it was going to be? Yeah, that's really strange that you didn't think. Because it feels like she very clearly had a vision and you made it. What are you talking about? Okay. Yeah. That's a whole other podcast we could do about that. But I wish we had time to. Yeah. Um, But let's get to this great episode. Mm -hmm. We have a wonderful guest. um, Brought us a great documentary. Oh, yes. Um, Let's introduce him. Zed Cutsinger. What's up, guys? Uh, this is Connie getting used to starting off the podcast. <laughs> right as we end it, you're finally getting used to it. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Uh, this is uh, I Will Watch Anything Once with your host, Connie Shin, and your other host, Mark David Christensen. And we have a special episode with a delightful man in the UCB community, uh, Zed Kutzinger. Hey, guys. Thank you. Delightful. Uh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it was a pleasure to have you here. And, and 
uh, show us this uh, documentary, which was the movie of choice, uh, which is called Marwin. How do you say it? Marwin Cole? Marwin Cole. It's a Mark, uh, Wendy, Colleen, was it? Wow. Ah, I didn't get that till now. Oh, I, I uh, just, there's like this part in the frame where it says the name of the town and then in uh, parentheses underneath it has the three names, but it's very small. Oh, mm. I did not catch that. But I was looking for it because I just remembered it from uh, seeing it on the big screen. Oh, right. That makes but, sense. Uh, okay. I don't think I would have seen that if uh, I wasn't looking for it. Okay. Oh, cool. Uh, well, great. Real quick for anybody out there that's listening that possibly has never seen this movie or has seen it but needs a refresher, can you give us a quick synopsis of what we watched? Yes, yeah, so it's a documentary about this uh, man named Mark who gets beat up at a bar by five um, different people. Uh, later we find out why, which... We can spoil. Don't yeah. worry about that. A crazy uh, who knew that a movie like this would have a twist. Uh, but as he's recovering uh, from the brain injury, he can't write anymore. He uses, uh, like, I guess, uh, army dolls as, like, a way of recovering his motor skills in his backyard and kind of makes this whole storyline with all these characters based off of people in his personal life and uh, photographs them so he can remember the stories. And eventually a photographer catches wind of him through this very specific magical kind of event. And he eventually, it sets up this uh, art show in New York City where the art world will, you know, take Mark and they and we see how they uh, kind of take him in. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then before we get to our... our our impressions of the movie and in further discussion of the movie. Why Zed, did you want us to see this movie? Um, I feel like this movie Marwin call is, it's just one of my favorite movies of all time. D- definitely one of the best movies of like the 2010s. Uh, but what I just really like about it is it's, it is a documentary, so it's true, but it just weaves such a great story, th- uh, through information, through events, but thematically, it's just really about like finding who you are. And he had this very um, cool opportunity to rediscover who he was. But to me, the, the biggest message and takeaway is just the importance of being yourself. And uh, it's simple, but I like that. <laughs> no, it's a strong thing that I think we still have to continually remind ourselves as mm-hmm. well as the world around us. Mm-hmm. That yeah. you, that's the best you can do is be yourself. And it was so well made. Yeah, it's it feels like intimate, like it feels very personal, mm-hmm. very well edited, very much from his point of view, but also kind of neutrally objective. Yeah, like not to uh, not necessarily glorifying him, but not also not necessarily judging him either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's the perfect kind of documentarian that made this mm-hmm. was that you could tell that they invested time just spending with their subject and just probably have there's probably footage out there that we have never seen, which is typical of documentaries, but they able to, to, as you said, weave a story. Mm -hmm. Um, That's my favorite thing is like, I think sometimes I will will see like a documentary I don't like, and it just feels like, great. You are, you were literally documenting something or giving me information so you can, you're a documentary, but there's no story. But when I see a journey or a story or telling me something about, then I'm like, oh, you've achieved something great. Yeah, sometimes it'll just feel like a, I guess, a, a, a visual uh, Wikipedia entry. Yeah, or that's just a, a great series way to say it. of uh, facts with like cool visuals. But um, 
I think my favorite documentaries, there's like a whole like uh, charm and there's something about it that with the character that comes off the screen in a way that can only be done in film that it wouldn't make sense in any other uh, medium. So I think the way that this was done, it, it totally lends itself to the medium of, of film and, uh, and, uh, can I, can I drop a little thing on you guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, please. Uh, so in November, uh, November, we liked this movie, by the way, we just need to get okay. that out of here before you drop the fact. Like, I think we both, I'm a fan. I'm okay. a very big fan of well, this documentary. Great. You guys are going to love this in, uh, November, 2018, there's a movie coming out called the women of Marwen with Steve Carell playing Mark. This is hilarious because Whoa. can I say something before yeah. he's up? This is not, as we're watching it, all I can think of is, well, I'm surprised no one has made a feature film based on this guy. That's all I kept thinking. I was like, there's Lars and the Real... Like, I was like, it's totally going to be a movie that's yeah. sort of totally like Lars and the Real Girl or Synecdoche, uh, New York. And I yeah. was like, now that you say that, I'm like, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course I should have said who the actor was going to be. I should have had you guess. But uh, do you guys want to know who the writer-director is? Yes. That I really want to know. Oh, yes. Are you going to guess? I was going to, but like, no, no, no. There's too many options. Uh, it's... Uh, Robert Zemeckis, who like wrote the Back to the Future and you know, directed for like weird so, odd choice. Yeah, I mean, I I'm was, not sure. I he... was gonna guess Spike Jones or something. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping for someone a little more like adventurous, adventurous, uh, eclectic. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, it'll probably be a really heartwarming. I movie. hope they don't try too hard to make the family film angle because this movie, yeah. this documentary, was like it was kind of dark, and I feel like if you eliminate that darkness, it really cuts out. Um, I don't know, kind of the heart of the story. Yeah. Because like the world that uh, Mark constructs is like, not only does it take place in a different decade, like it takes place during World War II, but it's just like he he shows himself getting tortured by SS soldiers, um, sex scenes, all that. And it's just, I'm like... you you can't take that away because then the the rec, the the photos he's creating of these dolls they need that human touch I feel mm. like for it to feel authentic and you yeah. could lose that in a family film. Yeah, well, and, Robert Zemeckis yeah. is a little bit of a I don't even know if I would call him a family filmmaker. He's made movies for families, but yeah. he's made stuff also like Flight, which is sort of like subject matter. It's a little like. Not, I wouldn't say it's anything in the, uh, these other directors, but it's pushing like, oh, we're going to have a character that's sort of like, I didn't see that movie, but it was pretty much like an alcoholic, yeah, drug, it was, uh, 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 an addict pilot. It was a bit, it was, to me, it was just far too like ham-fisted with yeah, the idea. Yeah, and that's what I'm worried is that he's yeah. going to do that with mm-hmm. this, is just throw it down our throat of like, see, like we're changing. And like, whereas this movie was subtly took us there where yeah. we and, and and also like what you're saying Connie is like there's a darkness where it's like this movie is about being who you are but it's also allowing yourself to change into who you're really supposed to be too mm-hmm. because this guy started out clearly as like an alcoholic with a problem hiding a large part of himself uh, from the world uh, therefore like destroying himself over time is a dark, very dark person Mm -hmm. then had to go through this tragedy that nearly killed him to come out on the other end. And like, I feel like Zemeckis is going to like lighten that fucking up. (laughs) Now we're just going to criticize Zemeckis. I love Roger (laughs) Rabbit, but like, (laughs) especially with the darkness, like there's that scene where he meets, I think it was it Colleen, the neighbor. And he like starts to fall in love with her. And she was just like, there's that moment where she was like, this is too much. Yeah. This needs to end. And then he like disappears her from the town. But like, I mean, it, it did show 
he wasn't just, I mean, he was like a nice person, but he was kind of finding his boundaries as well. Yeah. yeah. And I think if you like a movie like that, when they don't show that moment of that girl, like having to actually be human with him and be like, cut him off or make mm-hmm. a boundary, yeah. it loses. It becomes fantastical. It's like, um, uh, anybody that's listening to this, that likes this movie, or I know you that knows the people that made this movie. This is the, it, did you guys, either of you guys see Brigsby bear? Uh-uh. Uh, yeah. That movie did that for me where I was like, this guy's, he really sort of lost his mind, but then they just sort of like, cleanly cleaned it up at the end where it was just like everybody's fine now and i was like no there's a lot to deal with that's on the table like yeah. he's not just it's like this movie brigsby bear is like well, sort of like this movie that we just watched but brigsby yeah. bear to me didn't have any authenticity in my opinion and this doc it's a documentary but it's like that's what i'm scared as if as connie's already said is like it's it's a real it, you could lose a lot of what's really great about this documentary and this yeah. guy's story by trying to turn it into a, a feature film. Yeah, there's so many. Also, there's so many fascinating elements about this documentary because when he gets attacked, like he 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 like has to restart his whole life because he has no memories from his prior life. Like he doesn't remember being married, which is bonkers. Cause he's watching his own wedding tape and he's like, I don't remember any of this. And he only, rem- he only knows, believes it based on photos and videos of his wedding. And, um, he was also a raging alcoholic and the urge to drink disappeared after his attack. And I'm just like, that's fascinating. Yeah. Like, I mean, the scene when he's in the bar and he's just talking about all the bottles, he goes, I just see bottles with liquid now. Yeah. Uh, And like, in a weird way, this, like, yeah, this tragic event that happened was like oddly beneficial to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, It kind of saved him. Yeah, exactly. Which is just, it's so crazy. Yeah. Don't tell those five guys though. Oh yeah. (laughs) Don't tell them they saved this guy's life. Yeah. (laughs) Because he's reading journals from his prior life and they're filled with like alcoholic rage and drawings of him being tortured by out literally alcohol and just lots lots of like, oh, this is the day I'm going to die and stuff like that. And then he has to do a hard restart and as horrible as it was, because they show photos of his attack and um, it, yeah, it saved him like. I know you said this documentary for you is about being who you really are, but for me, it felt really felt like second life. Huh? Yeah. Like a second opportunity. Yeah. That's totally true. I think you're right. Yeah. Cause he had to basically be reborn. He's asking people, what was I like? Was I mean? Was I nice? He doesn't drink anymore, but he also desperately needs a creative outlet. He needs to figure out, who am I? He he forgets that he was a cross dresser. He yeah. comes home and he's like, "Who? Sh- why are there so many women's shoes here?" And his roommate has to tell him, "Those are yours." That moment is great fodder for indie film. That's incredible. <laughs> like, that's I can, incredible. I can see that scene writing itself. But go on. Yeah. And what's cool about this documentary is they add that towards the end, but not like as a twist for the sake of twists, because it. It's another layer of his personality, which you find out was one of the reasons why he got jumped. Yeah. And and he and he learns to embrace it. So it's like it's just it's a very carefully crafted journey about him being like, you know what? Fuck it. This is who I am now. And um, yeah, it was just. It, it was like something out of a Kaufman film where he was like, I'm restarting. Yes, very Kaufman. <laughs> mm-hmm. And 
I think that was what was beautiful too is that it was him it's however all of us are we can I think it's very universally relatable of like it's scary to like sort of finally just embrace who you are sometimes mm-hmm. and be like well this is me uh, and that's like where we end is him finally in the smallest little way of like at the end of his gallery showing putting on heels and stockings mm-hmm. but you're yeah. like that's great he's starting like there's no that's always the the place it's not always if for everybody, it's not going to be. Oh, now I'm the greatest artist. No, yeah. And I and I wear like women's clothes. I'm crossdresser. Mm-hmm. It's funny because uh, you're you're mentioning Kaufman, and it's like um, it's it's kind of like Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, it made me think of that too. Yeah, just like erasing the memories, but then like kind of the theme in that is like no matter how many times you erase your memories, like you're you, still you. Yeah, and you're still going to fall in love with this, like mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And this, it's like even though he erases memories, like he still ends up being the same person he was before, but this time he's not hindered by the alcohol, yeah. which kind of only got in the way of maybe mm-hmm. who his true person yeah. was. Cause he still had a lot of anger. Yeah. And the way that, and they definitely showed in a way that it made me feel kind of uncomfortable when he was like, oh, where's the alcohol? Yeah. Or when he was speaking yeah. for the SS. Yeah. But I thought that was, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but it's like, that's why it's so honest. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like, if he wasn't, if it didn't make me feel like scared of that part of him, then I wouldn't believe it. And that's like, oh yeah, we all know those things. Yeah. Like it's maybe it's not about alcohol, but there's something in us that like does that to us. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. I've had those moments of like, just if mine's probably just disappointment in myself and I hear that, <laughs> that angry voice, which is scary, but yeah, you can be like, oh yeah, how do I fight that? This guy found a way to like mm-hmm. fend it off. Through his his creations. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, my mom would get very concerned if she saw me playing with my dolls and being mean to them because she said she read somewhere in child psychology that children treat their dolls the way they feel they're being treated. Ah, so it was fa- yeah, it was fascinating to see him act do his scenarios with his figurines. I want to call them figurines because they're not really dolls. They're a little bit bigger than regular Barbies, and they're much more intricate. Like they have little holes in their mouths for smoking cigarettes and stuff. Those are like GI Joes. Yeah, GI yeah. Joes were originally the size of uh, Barbies. Yeah, they're oh, wow. yeah, they're very uh, yeah, they're yeah, very. The GI Joes we grew up with are the not miniature. the originals. Oh, okay, it's that the, makes they sense. They were doll sized like yeah. a Barbie. Yeah, and he yeah, like and when he was hurting in real life. Uh, certain characters in his uh, second world would get injured and now it's just like oh that's yeah that does there is some truth to that psychology and uh, and as a result it was like very sad <laughs> like when he's recreating like the torture scene and mm-hmm. all this stuff where it's like well we know what this is about um, and I guess it's good to just see him going through the process of it mm-hmm. especially the whole revenge thing yeah that was nice it's his way of getting it out but like uh, the initial part of the torture it's just uh, it's like him almost like reliving it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that like we as viewers understand the value of that. Mm-hmm. It's I think what's even more so than us just watching it in a movie and having him go through it again is that we're in on it. Mm-hmm. We're we're peeping into this thing that's usually not supposed to allow. That's your private moment to deal with yeah. that. I probably there's a part of me that's like I shouldn't see that. Like that <laughs> should be your own thing. You should yeah. get to go through in your own comfort without us peering at it. But we're lucky that this guy was open to allowing them in. Yeah. Well, I think that's also like a big part why outsider art 
which I guess he's an outsider artist, um, is so interesting is like, it's just as pivotal to the piece uh, itself uh, that is like the story behind it. Like if you just saw those photographs and I, I kind of understand why some people went into the gallery and, and maybe they were being negative uh, because I think such a big part of it is seeing this movie. Like now that I, uh, when I first saw the movie, I bought like a book of his photographs and I like loved them, but I'm wondering what my takeaway of it would have been if I hadn't seen this. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Cause I think I, Connie, you said you might have mentioned seeing his stuff. They look familiar. I and either I saw them in a magazine or a gallery. Too. Yeah. Or I'm just mixing them up with some other doll photograph or something. Like Robot Chicken or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, just, I, I thought we were watching Robot Chicken documentary. <laughs> When's it going to get funny, Zed? <laughs> Sorry. When are those real bad jokes going to come in? You know, those misogynistic <laughs> jokes? Um, After the credits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I could see myself doing that a little yeah. of not really letting it in as much because it's like you're right. Like when you find out the story behind it, it gives it gives that those pictures so much power. And you're yeah. like, oh, yeah. So I think you're right. I don't think I would. I personally looking at myself don't think I would have given them a long enough look unless I knew but do about this documentary. I'm trying to think of what my initial impression of these were, not knowing this guy's story. Uh, well, because the thing is, I have seen um, dull recreation art and uh, that Karen Carpenter movie. Hmm. Have oh, you seen it? It's called no. Superstar. It's a biography of Karen Carpenter done with Barbies. Oh, wow. It's, no, it's, no, wow. It's, it's not tongue in cheek at all. It's very like it's like this. Wow, it's, it's, it's very dark. It's you see, like you bizarre, see her, huh? It's very bizarre. No, no, Is it it's Karen very dark. Carpenter of the Carpenters. Yeah, the singer. Wow. You see her death and everything. Wow. Yeah, it's very intense, but it's also like because I saw it for an art class in college, and at first everyone in the class was like Barbies, and then after a while it's like, whoa, you, you, you. Uh, once you get used to it, it's like, oh, this is literally just uh, recreation. Not recreation, a reenactment, hmm. and um, and the Barbie was like a satire for how um, cookie cutter her life had to be. Oh wow! And uh, but it's very well done. So I've seen a lot of artwork with uh, using dolls that wasn't supposed to be funny. So yeah. I think when I saw these initially, I was like, "Are is he recreating existing photos?" Oh, or, interesting. Yeah, or um. Is it just a, a a commentary on war? But knowing now, knowing this angle, I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I didn't know he was recreating his own little personal world. Right, yeah. kind of like what that guy said from Esopus, where he uh, like Todd, where he said, "It's not, um, it's not like a choice as much as it's like his only avenue." Mm-hmm. Um, which, and not to take away from other. Uh, to me, like, I think it is cool when people use these things as a choice, like the way that was really cool with the carpenter thing where you said the dolls were mm-hmm. because she was seen as like cookie cutter. Well, that was my interpretation of it. There's it's open interpretation, but it's also really good. It's called Superstar, the Karen Carpenter story. I loved your interpretation. <laughs> that's that's what my initial thoughts were. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this it's just like this is his only choice. Like it's the only way he can communicate. So it I, adds like a whole I almost thing. wouldn't label it as art. Because I feel like for him, I feel like as a viewer knowing this, I'm like, oh, we just watched someone go through therapy. Is there? Yeah. Like it said in the thing, when does your therapy become art? I 100% agree. I don't think there's a different feeling to it. I don't know what it is Mm -hmm. because 
And I guess there's just degrees of artists. There's the artists that are like what you said, like could a cookie cutter that can come in and be like, see whatever we call them sellouts or what's the word that they always not sellouts, but uh, what's the word that artists get when commercial like, commercial or like, I'm not fink. Why am I thinking of the word fink? What's that big bad word like hack? Oh, hack. Okay, yeah. Sorry. I, that took me too long to get to, but like, that can look at other people something and go like, well, I can do that in this way and make it marketable, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. You're still an artist. It's just you're not. It's not personal. It's not. It's just you have a. You use your gift in a different way. Yeah. Then we have artists that are no matter what they find their thing and they keep it personal. Like I'm constantly like you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's some people that journey out of it. Like I'm thinking of Patty Smith for some reason right now, where she sort of started with collages, then she eventually found out what she was supposed to be in one some sense. It was yeah. like. I'm I'm doing music and then she does now writing and stuff and poetry but he's just like then I think there's those artists where they're just there's that one it this maybe is just gets into art but it's like you just that's the way you communicate yeah that's it I mean I think him maybe doing just, a gallery show was a good thing because I think for him it was kind of like coming out mm-hmm. and seeing that the world outside of his town embrace him and forcing him to travel to Greenwich Village, which he thought was going to be like San Francisco on Pride Week, is hilarious. But it's also it, it did force him to be like, hey, maybe the outside world really would like who I am deep down. So I think that's definitely a plus for him. But I don't know if I would uh, strictly label this as art so much as almost like a type of uh, mm-hmm. what is it like a exposure therapy hmm. well the only thing i would say in defense of it uh being art is like I, I bet there's a lot of art that is the same thing as this but we just don't know the the backstory mm-hmm. so i think if for a lot of artists like a lot of things they do is that kind of uh therapy we just don't know the this like I guess the analogous thing of when they got beat up. A lot of it, I feel like artists, it's them dealing with like childhood trauma yeah. and stuff like that. And maybe they uh, mask it. Yeah. It's not as obvious. Like, well, they don't have a documentary crew. I know, I know for yeah, you, yeah. Kasama, that Japanese artist with the dots. Hmm. I, I don't know that. She, she has a, a huge display right now at the broad. I think I'm probably butchering your name. Yayoi Kasama. You, you've probably seen her on someone's Instagram, like a room full of dots. Okay. And like, objects covered in polka dots and she's a famous artist but also um she's extremely schizophrenic oh wow and she has a thing where she can't stop making dots okay yeah and her thing is like if i don't stop i'm gonna lose my mind so part of me is like are we watching art or are we watching someone's therapy i would say that it's all To some degree, all art is therapy. Mm. Yeah. Like, good, like, actual, authentic, good art that moved you has some root in someone doing, um, going through something or processing something. Yeah, I might be too, putting too much emphasis on the intent behind it, but I guess in the end process, like, looking at his photographs, there's no way you can't... I feel like, for me, I can't... There's no way you can't call it art because so much artistic merits there like, yeah, yeah like in terms of the composition of the film. yeah and everything wasn't about there are those big moments that we watched that were like this is clearly him dealing with his alcoholism this is clearly dealing with his um his attack but then there's a lot in there that's just him telling a story mm-hmm. that tells me doesn't is like that's just him 
You know what I mean? Telling a story with these dolls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's it. He's created a world. He's living with the world and telling a fake story. So therefore that's just art like any art. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and also like, I wonder what would have happened if that person um, didn't find him on the side of the road. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it seemed like that started effect. Like, unfortunately or fortunately, like, I mean, the success is fortunately, but I'm like wondering if that's going to start affecting the direction he's going to start going with it. Like at the end when the dolls or the main doll Mark, like when he started making his own Marwin call, mm-hmm. I was like, it was getting kind of meta. And I'm like, Oh, is that because now he's like thinking about the art world or is that just right. the logical progression of the story? I don't right, know. right before we started recording, I looked up this movie on IMDb and the only piece of trivia they had was that when he was doing his gallery show, he did a rec- he made a recreation of him loading up stuff to go to the gallery. Oh, really? Yeah. Like him carrying stuff, unscrewing stuff. He made a model of him loading stuff to go to the gallery. And I'm just like, holy shit. That's awesome. Yeah. It's like beyond diary. Yeah. I think he's living every, like he, cause it was hard for him to go do that. So I think mm-hmm. this guy seems like every big step now or decision he has to make, he'll, he'll filter it through his city. Yeah. His world to get through it. So maybe that's even the last thing we're seeing is like, you see, this guy's going to have, this guy's, that's the thing that's beyond just the art is that he's now having to, get through everything has to filter through this mm-hmm. now that's how he expresses himself he's fucking trapped he's trapped in marson call mm-hmm. i mean marson call god damn it he's like trapped mordecai he this is synecdoche this is more connected to me than to synecdoche in new york than ever in that thought uh, <laughs> and also he made the movie after synecdoche new york about the um where it is like the stop motion right with the dolls oh uh, yeah what is it called oh my gosh the movie i loved that movie but it's like funny that that eternal sunshine and synecdically all three of these i'm like i'm drawing parallels but i think almost all of them were made well except the most recent one were made uh uh before this or around this yeah like, around I, this before. didn't influence it but it is the connections are interesting yeah mm-hmm. because charlie coffin's a weirdo yeah. yeah he's a guy that has had success i mean if you ever read did you guys ever read that variety or whatever article no. about how he thought he pretty much just can he's like i did everything wrong I've done everything wrong when it came oh. to him getting success. Whoa. It's really a good, interesting article to read. Just Charlie Kaufman just going, yeah, I fucked up. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wish he wrote the, the version of this. I know. That, I, I was hoping he did. Yeah. When you brought it up, I was like, come on, be that. Oh, Anomalisa? Mm, Anomalisa. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is like, I want, like when, in the beginning, he had that letter in the mail that said he overdrafted his Bank of America thing. and It was like a $15 fee. I was like... Is is how is this going to be filtered through Marvel? <laughs> 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 like the more like petty things, uh, yeah. is going to put them all inside of the the vehicle that is the, the town. Yeah, I uh, I hope his artwork is like providing him with some sort of financial, want to say sustenance, because I'm sure yeah. he's probably on some sort of disability. Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting. It's like this is helpful for many reasons, but also like it will get him physically to the point where maybe he won't be on um, disability as much, but then it's like, I, can he hold a, a job with all like the mental trauma? he had? I don't know. Yeah. Cause he, didn't he say he physically can't write? I, th- 
I think I, f- I forget where he is with that. I know he's this, he said his patience was building with like the intricacy of mm-hmm. doing the setting up the dolls, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm not totally sure uh, where he is with that. It did. I, one thing I did pay attention to was cause he was a raging alcoholic. And um, when I was watching the, the movie, I was, it was hard for me not to pay attention to his skin and because okay so in the end you find out that mark is a cross-dresser and you find little hints here and there because there's a a foot shot of him walking through his display and i'm like is he wearing studded clogs and i'm like do (laughs) men yeah Yeah. and i was like do men wear studded clogs what is that and but neither of you said anything so i was like i'll just keep this to myself and then i was uh, thinking it during it too i was like what is it with those clogs yeah because i was like are those yeah i was like these are not because at first when I saw it, I was like, oh, is that a woman? I was like, oh, wait, no. Clogs. And then like um, I noticed his skin looked very healthy for someone who used to be an alcoholic. And so uh, something I did notice about cross-dressers, usually men, is that um, they'll kind of, uh, not all of them, but some, for some that I noticed is like they'll prep their body for it hmm. uh, way before they actually start dressing. And so part of me, uh, when I found out he cross-dressed, I was like, oh, that explains that. Yeah. Because his skin had a slight glow to it. And I'm like, he doesn't look like the type of person that cares about his appearance. Yeah. But then I was like, his skin looks very healthy for someone that was a raging alcoholic and is very poor. So, um, yeah, that was just a little weird thing that I noticed. I I love when uh, it showed his foot before they revealed the information and he Mm -hmm. had the, uh, like, pink nail polish and Kanye went, Oh, that's, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, you were like, oh. yeah, you definitely were like, well, that's something. <laughs> Cause he, yeah, you see him lying down on the ground and then, um, you, you see a shot of his foot and it's a perfectly pedicured foot with bright pink nail polish and a toe ring. Yes. And I was like, wow. And then the immediate uh, following scene was the reveal. Yeah. Of the foot yeah. fetish. Yeah. And revealing all his f- shoes. Uh, what? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought it was... I don't know what else to say other than I thought it was a very well-crafted but simple doc that really got... That made me, like, care about this guy but never, like... Never told me how to feel is what I was really, like, mm-hmm. appreciative of, of it. Is It never told me, like, this it, is... It didn't feel like a propaganda movie for him. Yeah, and I like that, that you're just like, no, I just think this guy's interesting. What he has, what he's doing is worthwhile and of value, and I'm just going to show it to you. And yeah. then we happen to, like, you're gonna show, we're going to show you that there's more to that mm-hmm. than just these. I feel like most documentaries that uh, I've seen as late... Uh, as of late, like, dude, there's like two types and I guess this kind of falls into the latter. It's like either it's about like some kind of social thing, like politically that whether we're aware or not, it like brings to light something going on uh, or it's tell it's basically a whole like uh, I wouldn't call it a biopic because it's the documentary, but it's about an artist mm-hmm. and usually like an artist you might not know about or something like this kind of reminds me of the, the devil and Daniel Johnson thing. Mm, but yeah. uh, a, a lot of them, I feel like the reason why we watch them is because it's about a band or an artist that we're already kind of familiar with mm-hmm. um, or one that we've seen in the peripheral. I guess this one's just kind of different because it's someone that probably no one has ever heard of. No one watches this documentary because they're a fan of his art. Mm -hmm. It's usually probably the other way, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also looking at his art, you wouldn't suspect this backstory behind it. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, which is interesting too. Like I did feel like in the town, like there was this like weird, like Tarant. I felt like weird, like Tarantino influence, like on these like storylines and stuff. Oh, very. It was, it was that. It was that machismo. Yeah. Like, mm. like that violence. Yeah. The, the hyper violence was very Tarantino. It's, it's also interesting with like, and I, I, it's, I feel like so many things go to Nazis in world war two because that's the one thing that feels like absolute mm-hmm. where it is. There is like evil and um, good and whatever. There's not a lot of like subjective perspectives on it that I'm aware of. Maybe you guys are kind of gray about the Nazis. <laughs> well, here's my thing with Nazis. <laughs> well, I feel like I feel like they're kind of lazy. Not lazy, but I feel like they're relied too heavily upon as a character archetype because they're the one character everyone's like, oh pure evil everyone agrees yeah. upon whereas like you can't really say that about the Viet Cong you can't say that about Russia you it's, can't yeah. say that about basically any other country that we've been at war with except for Nazis and I think that's weirdly hilarious well, I think, I think yeah. everybody knew that like they had done such terrible things mm-hmm. and the world agreed the world agreed like hey as a whole we agree this is bad well, we they have had, to stop they, well, it they're bad yeah their their misdeeds were the most widely publicized yeah because c- considering like when you think about what Mao did think about what Stalin did mm-hmm. but you can't being like fuck those Russian scumbags and just yeah. <laughs> yeah and I think it's it's a lot of that I think is because the winners write the history books mm-hmm. and there's like you said, there's just a bunch of politics behind even the, the to like uh, to be able to be like, well, we can still side with him, even though they have these atrocities. Yeah. What's also what's fascinating is this guy didn't serve in World War Two. And I was like, I was confused at first for a moment because I was yeah. like, Wait, he's too young to have been in World War Two. Yeah, like, I was like, Wait, he made a fake world in World War Two. Yeah, yeah, I was like, at best, at best, he was a teenager in Vietnam at best. Or maybe he served in Iraq. And I was like, yeah, no, there's no, there's something. He didn't do anything in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's why, like, his perspective in, the, like, uh, in Marwin Call the Town, it is such this, like, uh, the, you know, the archetypes of good and evil. It's like, it has to be the Nazis. And unfortunately, it is just like, and I'm not trying to, like, criticize his uh, work, but maybe come up with a new villain. <laughs> Well, to a certain extent, there's a he- there's a good amount of fantasy, and the biggest contender for that is the there's a witch in his world. Yes, that yeah. time travels, and I love that. Like the way the scene when it goes into the time machine, mm-hmm. and when he's like, "Oh, I made this thing off of like a phone, uh, like number pad that I saw off the highway," and just the intricacies of the way he made that. It was like the VCR, but it's because his best porn tape got caught in it, so we had mm-hmm. to open it up. Mm-hmm. Like to me, I was like, "Oh, this is." That was like some of my favorite part of it when it got a little more fantastical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like you can do anything with your imagination in that world. Yeah. Because yeah. all of the dolls look painstakingly real. Like some of the Barbies he washed to make their hair look more real. Except for one that has bright green hair and it's because she's a time traveling witch. I loved her. I wish we would have got to know more of her stories. Yeah. Before that reveal happened, I think there was also an audible. Connie, you were like, her hair is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was like, everyone looks like something out of, um, what is it, uh, Saving Private Ryan. And then there's a woman <laughs> wearing leather with green hair and black lipstick. And I'm like, huh. All right. <laughs> with that. 
But uh-huh. yeah, that was yeah. Because there's, I think the reason he chose a war he never served in is because that's the most popular American war, and for him, there's clearly an element of fantasy. There's a witch. There's a time traveling witch that's also in love with him. Yeah. All the women in the stories are in love with him. We didn't even talk about the cat fights. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The staged the cat stage. fights. Which makes stage. him more like fun and complicated as like a human that cross dresses because I'm like I feel like you first when you start this movie and you hear the like the cat fights you're like oh, a guy like a yeah. t- fucking guy of course a city full of women and they're gonna cat fight uh, we should probably clarify <laughs> to the uh, listeners um, within his uh, second imagine alter ego world there's a bunch of female dolls and uh, his character runs a bar that the female dolls gave him, and in this bar, he has staged cat fights for entertainment. Yes, stage. And he says that he makes that very clear. Stage. Yeah, they're not actually getting hurt. And oh, and his character doesn't drink, right? Yeah, yeah he drinks coffee just like him, just yeah. like Sam Malone and Cheers. Uh, yeah, there, if it is weird, like until you know all this stuff about him. I think there is an element of like, this just feels like a 12 year old boy who's playing with dolls who just, oh, 27 women and me and all this stuff. But then you you start realizing with the women, it's like, it comes from more of this like place of like admiration. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to be one of them. Yeah. That's why he wants to be surrounded yeah, by them. The women, uh, cons- like when from the outside, it might seem like a man's fantasy, but when you dig deep into it, it's like, oh no, the women are the heroes in the story. They rescue him several times the women are always treated very well and i was like that's a very interesting take and then it's like oh it's because he they're the heroes and he's going to you see the 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 female dolls putting stockings on his version of the doll yeah like he literally removes the the male legs off of his figurine and puts on female legs so that yeah that explains that i'm realizing now that we're talking about this this feels like a really good uh radio lab episode (laughs) Like this movie, <laughs> yeah. like uh, I was like, not our episode. <laughs> this is like prime Radio Lab podcast. Uh, but yeah, this movie really does feel like one that you would listen to and go, "Oh, that's an." Inc- how do they keep getting these incredible stories? Because mm-hmm. I was thinking that Gondolin one with the first like woman who uh, was it in Italy? You know that town where they. Um, or is it the Gondolins? Isn't it Venice? Yeah, yeah. Or it's Venice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That town. <laughs> uh, but it, whatever. This whole episode, it's really, really interesting. And it has like a twist in it, uh, kind of like this. But uh, that did come out seven years after this. So ah. consider that. Although the events in it might not have, but <laughs> the episode. Things, yeah. Stories, there's parallels in those because they're just having to be told over again. We, yeah. Different corners of the world have to grow. So there's people like this that have to be in these small little towns and then they have to have that story in Venice because the world is constantly needing to change mm-hmm. for the better. And I think we're fix- we're the ones changing it. <laughs> <laughs> they keep turning into radio loud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, every time we watch a movie, we're making things better, right? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's yeah. definitely how we're going to make it better by watching. Yep. Yeah. And then yeah. just, you know, debate about it on Facebook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that always is helpful. Yeah. My part. Um, I have a question I think we're about to wrap up and then uh, on the movie itself unless Connie do you have anything else to add or Uh, no I I really enjoyed this movie yeah we're gonna rate it and then I have a a couple questions for you Uh, we um, have a system of rating the movies we watch as once twice multiple so it means is this where we're never gonna watch it again 
Are we going to say, ah, we'll give it a second try or we're on board. We'll watch it multiple times. Hmm. Okay. I'll let you go, Connie. Uh, I didn't mention this yet, but I love miniatures. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> right. yeah. So watching someone like there is something therapeutic about miniatures. I know when I get older, it's going to become a thing. Um, I'm following various miniature Instagram accounts. There's Wait, something as a miniature, by the way, like literally anything. Like I've seen someone make. <laughs> A newsstand the size of my thumb. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and they're very intricate. The more detail, the more I'm like, ah! And it's just (laughs) something about it makes you excited, but also feel safe. I don't know what that's about. And so I would definitely watch this again. Heck yeah. Uh, so which one did you say? Twice or multiple? I would say multiple. It was it was nice watching him go through his po- process. Great. I'm going to say multiple. I don't know when it will happen, so I'm going to give it even a soft multiple because it... Um, I don't think I'm going to do it's not throw in just to watch, but I'd like, it's a movie I want to share with other people. So that's how I think it's going to become the, it's I'll, weirdly I'll uplifting. It yeah. Um, uh, I'll, I'll go multiple also. Cause like there, there's something nice about, uh, I love recommending movies to people. And when you recommend a movie and people love it, like this is a movie, I can't imagine someone not liking it. <laughs> And there's, it just feels good where you help someone have a good experience. Also, the movie was only like an hour 20, yeah. hour 22. So it's like it was brisk and uh, I haven't seen it in a little bit. But yeah, uh, I guess I'll rate it the multiple because uh, I, I want to watch it again just because it, yeah, it feels good. And the, there is something like about watching all the small stuff where it's comforting or mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it. Uh, uh, and hopefully that movie doesn't ruin it. <laughs> if you're really into miniatures, are you super excited for downsizing? <laughs> There's something about that movie that feels very 90s to me and not in a good way. From the, I, yeah, the, from I, I would agree with the you talking that. heads music in the trailer <laughs> to the jokes. I'm just like, it's all it's missing is a fisheye lens. And I'm just like, oh man, I don't know. It's like the director who did toys or something. No. It feels like, yes. I would agree with that. That might be who did that. I'll have to look it up. But the uh, I'm oh, gonna guess a, it's another Zemakis. The the weird thing about it is like it looks like the the concept seems fun, but I guess they showed it at film festivals in the past like six months, and all all the feedback was like this is not a good movie. Ooh. And the same thing happened with um the the Suburbicon. They they both got kind of like released around because the both, two Matt Damon things. Yeah, they just don't look good. Really bad. What's going on, um, Damon? As you're looking up the director of Toys, uh, starring Robin Williams, my oh. guess was Robert Zemeckis again, but I'm probably wrong. But um, I want to, before I have our question that we ask every guest, I want to know, what are your top three, if you can name them, documentaries of all time that you're like, oh, I will always suggest these three? Oh, um... Documentaries. I, well, I guess I would pick this. Great. That's yeah. fine. If we want to pick this one. Um, uh, I mentioned it already, but yeah, The the Devil and uh, Daniel Johnson. Oh, I, I so really, good. Beautiful documentary. Yeah. It, it, the thing that was interesting about that is after I saw it, I was like, I have to listen to more um, of his s- stuff and blah, blah. And for like a month or two after... I was like, yeah, this is great. And then it started waning on me. And I was like, it's really the documentary and the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, this is a very, like, I guess this is like one that was kind of released last year, this year. So these are all very recent. I'm trying to remember another one off the top of my head, but uh, I'm, I'm just going to go with the, I am not your uh, Negro movie. Oh, I still uh, need to see that. It, it's 
wonderful. Yeah, it's just it's just it does this really good job of showing all these things that happen where, where you're like, oh, this could be about today, which is really a, a downer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also just the fact that they had like twenty was it twenty pages of a novel and then they made the whole thing about yeah, it. Yeah, they used that. The language of the, the the novel they used to push mm-hmm. to tell the story and to what's the segments are built on that language and mm-hmm. pulling the quotes. It's really beautiful. Yeah, done. I mean, I feel bad because all these were kind of recent, but uh, I don't know. Th- no. They're all if you see any of these three, they're good. Mm-hmm. I think you're that, well, that's awesome, and that's just not only for us, but that's for our listeners. I mm-hmm. want them to be able to go find stuff. That we're doing this for you, guests like like yeah. Do you guys have your three or? Uh, yep. Yeah. What's your three? The documentaries. Um, Paris is Burning and um, The Wild and Wonderful Whites. And have you heard of that one? No, wait. Why do these sound? I've heard of both Paris of these. Paris is Burning is about the drag balls that happened in the 80s in New York City. Oh, I've heard of it. And uh, The Wild and Wonderful Whites is a, f- a documentary about the white family in West Virginia. Oh, yes. I have heard of that. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember what the third one was. That's a really good one. The, the third one. Uh, uh, maybe it'll come to me in a dream. <laughs> Yours, Dave? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so defensive. No, I'm just like, I. What are you going to do about our economy, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, mine are not like, I think my tops are not traditional. Uh what people typically go. Jackass one, two, and three. <laughs> that would have been awesome if I actually would have said that. No, uh, one of my favorites is Koyana Skotsky. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've ever heard the of Philip that. Glass that. The Philip Glass. Yeah, it's, okay. it's scored by Philip Glass, and it's just visuals. Um, I would pair with that with another one called Baraka, which is the same thing. It's just uh-huh. the images and music, and it's showing you. It has a story in there, but it's there's, there's no traditional way of narrative at all um that um fugazi instrument oh yeah, yeah. is absolutely one of my favorites because that's sort of similar in that way it's, there's it's a small thing but it really does show you who this band is and what they're um behind them and then that third one is the one i'm like really i'm gonna go with uh king of kong is okay. that the name of it yeah, oh, I'm not so. sure. I think that documentary was just so it, that to me was like, oh yeah, documentaries can be don't have to be downers to be good. They don't have to be. Oh, <laughs> like, oh I, I don't know why I'm raising high, my high hand. Entertainment at the same time being yeah, the, yeah. like there's a really good, good documentary about uh, Jaredowski about him. Trying oh to my do, god, yeah, dude! Yeah, yeah. Jaredowski's Dune. Yes. I'm gonna add that to my. Oh, yeah, that's another one. I it's seen. so good. I love there's it. A, I had there's a dream in it of mine that if I could one day become so wealthy in Hollywood, I want one thing before I die, and that is to find they made all these essentially a comic book out of storyboards oh, for really? them. They storyboarded the entire movie and they made you know, like 50 or so copies and sent them to major studios in Hollywood. Oh, and they're wow. just sitting in archives right now. And if I could have one of those, I'd be like, I'm fine. Yeah. And Geiger helped with like the design and stuff. Yes. yes. And I mean, because of that show, you wouldn't have Alien and Sunsense. Yeah. Uh, their, their attempt to make that movie is why there was an alien and mm-hmm. so forth. Yeah, and he basically of, discovered him. Oh, uh, yeah, I have to see it. And then the two I haven't seen, but everyone is like, those are like the necessary. It's about that like mom and daughter 
was it was is it Werner Great Gardens? Yeah, that one. Like, I haven't seen Great Gardens either. I need to see and that. And then Thin Blue Line, like the Errol Morris one, which is like yes, those are two that I need to see. And I haven't seen them, but everyone says those are like the ones to see. They're but, the iconic. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I do want to see. I think see, Earl's yeah. is 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 more of like a docudrama too because mm-hmm. they reenact stuff. Oh wow, yeah. I don't, yeah. Gotta see that, but I do want to see the ones. I'll see the ones you guys recommended before those. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> well, great. Uh, that go out there, listeners. Watch those documentaries. Now we have a question for you, Zed, that we ask every guest. Our podcast, of course, is about that. We'll watch anything once, but we want to know, and you can be a specific, meaning like it can be an actor or just a movie, or you can go broad to genre or, or more. What are the what's some what do you what do you avoid? What will you not watch? Uh, or try not to Justice League. Uh, wait like you have not seen it or i'm not gonna see it Uh, okay i I guess to me i i really don't like um just in general and i'm I'm not saying this is the reason why people watch it but i just don't like seeing movies that i know i'm not gonna like even if it's to watch (laughs) it for like an ironic reason i like i like seeing movies that i like and i think if you're in a, if you're watching a movie and you're going to see one and you know you might not like it, I just don't really get the point. Because there's enough movies I go to see that I think I'm going to like that I don't. Why don't I just focus on the ones that I'm going in with the intention of having a good time? Or maybe not a good time is the, the right phrase. Is it specifically comic book movies or is it just... I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of... Like, I feel like you're being overly just specific for that one. Like, yeah. that's what I'm getting. Because I think like... I'm trying to think of r- recent ones. Uh, oh, like, for instance, this came out like the Tom Hanks uh, one that was based off of those like Bible fan fiction books. Uh, oh, is it the one where he plays seven characters? Cloud Atlas? No, no. Uh, sorry, it's you know the what was it the uh, insects and angels and Dante's uh, or Inferno? Oh yes. It, um, was it the sequel to it, a Da Vinci Code? Yeah, 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 Da Vinci Code and all those Inferno. Yeah, 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 yeah. It came out. It's just like it's like it's. I'm not gonna like it. Why, why would I see this? Uh, Justice League was the specific example, just because I know I didn't like the other ones. Uh, so it's just like. No. I don't want to see this because I don't want to complain about it. Mm. Like, right. I'm trying so hard to be positive. What's weird is um, I don't like the other ones either. Yeah. Justice League, I went and saw it just because I was like, I have a movie pass. I'm going to see it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I came in out of that the less, the least angry. <laughs> really? It, it, I don't know why. It, it, to me, I'm, I, I wasn't like other people are like, it's so terrible. I was like, I don't know if it was terrible it was dumb so yeah. it just didn't do it didn't need my energy to be mad at it it was just like all right i watched you i'm gonna forget about you i don't it's need a to, movie i really yeah. don't need to talk about about you to anybody <laughs> yeah i'm trying to yeah i wish i could think of more examples but i just i just don't like giving money to studios who make movies where it feels like they don't care either if it's good mm-hmm. they're just kind of like this is like a money engine mm-hmm. right um, do you know. like a money engine that's actually putting out quality though? Yeah, because like I like I think Marvel is a money engine. Yeah, but I, I think th- they've actually on their creative side of are trying their best to at least put out quality movies. Like I love Fast and the Furious. Like number eight, I still think this year it was my greatest experience in a movie theater watching uh, any movie. It's like yeah, it is like this money franchise or whatever. But the movie, it's just so in like. 
imaginative with the the things that happen in it where you're like, well, what are they going to do in this one? And then they like break the ceiling in a way where when you were seven years old, if one of your friends was like, what if we did this with the cars? You'd be like, can you be my friend? Like you're, <laughs> you're like my best friend now for thinking of that. Um, so yeah, yeah. There's, there's nothing wrong with the intention making money. Just like tr- try to just make it. I don't know. I guess it's all subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's right. Yeah. I think that's great. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Do you get, you already have your answer to that, right? To what? That question, what you want to uh, see. I've never really had it turned on me. Mine's horror immediately. Horror, I, I tend to just stay away. Because it affects you too much? Yeah, because I'm a moviegoer that really lets things in, and I just know while I'm watching it, I don't have as much fun as like other people that like like being scared. I'm yeah. more like, it takes a lot to convince me to go allow myself to be like terrified and uncomfortable. <laughs> Not that there, there, are, there are exceptions. There, I have plenty of movies that would be in that category that I love, but there's movies like two that I want to see. Like there's that new trailer that came out called A Quiet Place. Oh yeah, that looks the good. The new John Krasinski and Emily Blunt movie. Oh, okay. It looks, the trailer alone made me go, I'm seeing this. It's a very interesting premise. Yeah. And I, I like places that are quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Mine's mine's rom-com. It's hard for me to not make noises while watching it. A lot of like, like just like, (sighs) yeah, a lot of that to me, most rom-coms, it's the way people act in them. That drives me crazy. It's like, when you're at work and you're making small talk with people you don't hang out with, it's like that for hours. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. <laughs> I I totally understand both of I I, I kind of despise rom-coms and uh horror sometimes. It's like it's like the movie's not good, but people like it cuz it's like visually crazy. Yeah. So it's kind of like why are we wa- uh, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I agree with both of you guys. That's awesome. We finally have a guest that agrees. <laughs> I agree. You don't like saying horror and you don't like saying rom-coms. I agree with that. Uh, well, that's our time. Uh, I really had a good time with you, Zad. Thanks, oh, thanks. for introducing yeah. this wonderful film. Thanks for film. having me, guys. Uh, um, is there, where can our listeners, if they want to hear more from Zed, how do they how do they get to you? Like, uh, is there another podcast you yeah, host? Yeah, is there another podcast about movies that you might do? Uh, yeah, well, I, you can, uh, Zed Cutsinger is my name uh i'm on all like social media with that but i have a, a podcast um with my girlfriend and my friend uh, uh respectively uh honor nezzo and steve hernandez called views from the vista we see every movie at the vista and then we talk about it unless of course justice league is playing there <laughs> so you just skipped it for that <laughs> yeah we just skipped it uh but if it's the same movie then we go to the los Feliz three or you know sometimes all four are locked and we'll do other stuff but yeah we uh love movies like you guys and uh it's the one thing I like doing more than watching movies is talking about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear that. That's uh, great. Well, yeah. we're just so people know you're on Twitter and Instagram uh, as Zed Cutsinger. Uh, yeah, Zed Cutsinger. Uh, that's my personal thing. Views from the Vista is the podcast. And uh, December, is it 9th? Yeah, uh, December 9th, I'm doing a sketch cram at UCB if you live in LA and. Uh, you want I don't to see think people. Was, I think that will be too late for that. You know, comes make out that time machine yeah. that uh, the witch made. But they can see you right on a mod team, right? Uh, Bombardier. Yeah. Yeah. Check out Bombardier. It's a great mod team. That's um, Wednesdays eight thirty at the UCB Sunset. Just check the schedule for Bombardier. You can see his great team. Go the other nights too. Every you know, yeah. S- some of the other teams are good too. Some of us oh. are pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's it. Um, you can follow the podcast in these last final weeks on Twitter. 
Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, which we never use at IWWAO. Um, also, if you have any last final questions for me and Connie, um, you can email us at I will watch anything once at gmail.com. Um, it, this episode that we just recorded with Zed will be, I believe, the third to last mm-hmm. uh, before we we pull the plug on IWWAO. So definitely hit us up if you have anything for us. Um, but that's it. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you haven't seen it once, you can't complain. Did you enjoy your treat? I really did. This is like going to be my new thing. I love it. And you, Zed? Uh, I had a bowl of cereal. Um, what kind of cereal? It was one of those like heritage flakes from like Whole Foods. Ooh. High in fiber, low in sugar. Um, and uh, I had, I think, the, the unsweetened almond milk with it. Uh, pretty boring, but uh, I like that. <laughs> audio podcast for more information and shows visit boardwalkaudio.com don't forget to rate and subscribe now